Voyage. story to me of a, a white Irishman who had stood up and fallen in love with his slave who as Lisa endearingly told me he spent $50 on this woman and his words were had he known she was the, going to be this much trouble he'd have kept the $50 in his pocket <laughs> and I just I just thought you know I, I thought that was typical Irishman that was exactly my thought The sellers called out of the bustle of the crowd, gathered in the market. The smell of sweat, blood and tobacco smoke was heavy, filling the lungs with every inhalation. Each man offered discounts or incentives to buy direct from him, rather than his neighbours, boasting the best wares in the place. Buyers flocked to the stalls and stages, scrutinising the stock they offered. Prodding fingers pinched at the skin, pulled back lips to check on the state of teeth or widened eyes to see whether there was a particularly naughty streak in the cattle on offer. The men and women shackled on display shivered in terror as they waited for the prospective new owners to bargain with their particular sellers. Wiley hated the place. His father had taught him that all human life was precious despite the colour of one's skin, but times were hard and he couldn't afford to pay a regular wage to his workers. Slaves were the only way he was ever going to make reparations for the loss of his wealth, and he needed to make a profit if he was going to recover even half of the estate he had lost in South Carolina. His eyes scanned the seemingly endless stalls and stages packed with potential buyers who crowded around the slave cages. The poor souls waiting to be bought and stared at the white men in fear, their eyes wide as they silently begged for some semblance of mercy. Though few, if any, would be shown such courtesy in this place. All Wiley could do was provide them with a half-decent life and more care and consideration than the other plantation owners were renowned for. That was how he would make it up to them. He might buy them, but he would at least offer them a modicum of respect that his peers wouldn't. A couple of the men caught his eye as they walked past him, their chains thunking noisily with each step. Wiley had been about to call the slave master over to negotiate a price when he had a gasp, and a falling figure caught his eye. Fear had got the better of the woman. It was written across her face as she remained on her knees, fingernails digging into the wood as she trembled violently. The slave master moved towards her. Stick raised, ready to strike her for this slight against him, as though she had fallen on purpose just to spite the man. Wiley held a hand to the man as he stepped toward the stage, eyebrows furrowed as he stared the man down, silently daring him to take another step toward the woman. Stepping onto the small platform, he knelt beside the woman, holding out a hand toward her so that she could see it. It's all right. Take my hand. I'll take care of you. You're safe with me. His words must have surprised her, as she stopped shaking and looked at him directly. Wiley smiled at her softly and nodded, moving his hand toward her to emphasise that he meant her no harm, and that she could take it without fear of punishment. As much as he hated the thought, he had given her permission to take his hand, though he certainly hadn't meant it in that fashion. She blinked at him, leaving only confusion in its place. 
She raised a hand hesitantly and placed her fingers delicately into his outstretched hand. He squeezed her hand reassuringly and helped her back to her feet. He was reluctant to look away, lost in the deep pools of her eyes that held a glimmer of something intriguing. What's your name? Uh, Lucy, sir. Would you like to come home with me, Lucy? If that's what you want, sir. As the slave master's man unlocked her cuffs from her wrists, she rubbed at the spots they had been, and Wiley saw her shoulders relax a little more once the cuffs around her ankles fell away as well. Then their eyes met, and she gave him a brief flash of a smile in silent thanks that made Wiley's heart leap into his throat. Lucy was bolder than any slave he'd seen before. She was less meek than many of the proper women Wiley had spent time with. If she was like this here, in this market, what trouble would she get him into in, on his estate? So much for staying out of trouble. The man who purchased Lucy as a slave, Wiley Pope, would later marry her and have children with her. Here's Lisa King, their direct descendant. Well, as a little girl, I already knew I was different. You know, it was weird as a kid, you know, when I have a German grandmother, white, I've got the Sicilian, I've got the Jamaican, and all of them in one room is confusing enough, you know? <laughs> but it's funny how I always knew stories. As a kid, in your mind, I've heard about Wiley as a little bitty kid. And I'm thinking he's like still alive, not realizing this is my fifth great grandfather, you know? We're talking prior Civil War. It just was fascinating to me growing up as an adult, like, wait, this is a real person. <laughs> what, this is true. Some people, they go through family stories. There's no nothing behind it. I actually found paperwork. I, I left the country and people knew who he was, you know. And it just dawned on me how outside of that, nobody really knew anything. Well, I think it's more of a spiritually thing. There's always one person in every family that I think the ancestors talk to. I know it sounds crazy, but I basically, we, we do have that um, spiritual oneness where I couldn't literally sleep. It's like I would hear Wiley talking to me or, you know, grandma, like, keep it going. You know, I had this voice in my head that, you know, it needed to be brought out. You know, it was important. And I think when the Rodney King situation happened, I think that's when it first started. And then the last deal with the riots, I had someone ask me for being African-American that I'm very proud of it, but I was raised to envelop all of my ethnicities. Do you know what I mean? And that's when it became very important to bring up Wiley because we wouldn't have a history if it wasn't for that ballsy Irishman. Wiley fell in love with the slave, Lucy. Lucy raised a hand to her head, wiping the sweat from her brow as she turned her face toward the sun. It had been several months since Mr Pope had bought her from the slave market and brought her back to his plantation. The passage of time meant little to her. As a slave, her lot in life involved getting up, working the fields and returning to the barn for the night, with meals interspersed throughout the day. She didn't count the hours or the days at the plantation any more than when shackled at the slave market. 
The only difference was she felt free, even if she wasn't. Mr Wiley Pope turned out to be as genuine a man in his home as he had been at the market when he'd helped her to her feet. It hadn't been bravado or show or a way for Lucy to let her guard down so that he could take advantage of her in private. She'd been lucky that none of the enslavers had taken that opportunity with her as they had with other female slaves she'd known. But she had suspected that her new master might take the chance to bed her once they'd returned to his home. Only he hadn't. She turned her head, squinting against the noonday sun, as she picked out the silhouette of the big house on the horizon, at the far end of the field from where she stood. Mr Pope would be in his study now, working through his books and accounts, counting his money as he tried to determine where things were financially with the plantation. Lucy only knew because she had, on occasion, worked inside along with the house staff. It wasn't often that the housekeeper Mrs Harris would come and call on Lucy to work inside in the morning, but Lucy always hoped that she would. Mr Pope had the most enchanting smile when he looked at Lucy. She'd noticed it the day he'd picked her up off the stage. The way it reached his eyes and filled her heart with ease and warmth she didn't recognise. She felt safe when he looked at her, as though she belonged rather than being a belonging. When their paths had crossed, Mr Pope had smiled and greeted her kindly, asking how she was and if she was happy. Happy. As if that should have mattered to the man who owned her. Yet it seemed to matter a great deal to Mr Pope, and Lucy couldn't help but risk searching the fields for signs of him coming to check on the work. Mr Pope would later save Lucy from a slave master who attempted to abuse her, firing the violent man on the spot. Forgive me, Lucy, I should never have hired that man. I'd heard rumours of how he was treating you all, but to bear witness to it with my own eyes, to see him nearly, to have him hurt... Will you forgive me? Why did she make him feel so weak? How had she broken him down as she had? They'd barely said more than a couple of words in greeting one another, but she was always on his mind. Deep down, he knew he shouldn't think of her, that he should have found himself some plantation owner's daughter to marry, to secure his position in Missouri. But how could he marry some meek girl when this firebrand was so close? She smiled, and Wiley knew that he was lost. Mr. Pope, it's not your fault men like that exist. Thank you for saving me, though. I heard what you said to him. It sounded like you knew how to handle yourself. He said such awful things about you. I wouldn't let him do that. I've never met any woman like you, Lucy. I'll ask Mrs. Harris to find you a place in the house. I'd rather keep you close by. Somewhere I can properly keep you safe. The moment the words left his lips, they were replaced by something far sweeter. Lucy shifted in the seat leant forward and planted her mouth upon Wiley's, stealing his breath and robbing him of what little stubbornness remained in his heart over how he truly felt. Closing his eyes, Wiley let the smell of sweat and dirt fill his nose, thinking he had never smelled anything more heavenly in all of his life as he reached up to hold Lucy tightly. He could already tell that she would be so much trouble, but she was worth it. It took a lot of balls for somebody to do that and to stand up during that particular time and state, I don't care what you think about me, my family and my wife are important. Because if you go back in American history, even with, what was it, Thomas Jefferson that had, uh, when he had all the kids by, he still didn't, you know, I know it's political, you know, he was the president (laughs) to state that he had uh, African-American descent children. But there's a lot of men that didn't take that risk of losing their families losing their careers to claim, you know, 
a woman that wasn't white. When Wiley had proposed to her, Lucia told him he was a fool. But all of this had been a lovely dream, but it had to stay a dream. For his sake, if nothing else. He'd got angry with her, telling her he would never love another woman, denouncing everything if it meant he could call her his wife. He jokingly pointed out that he'd spent $50 on buying her and spent far more on the ring, so she would marry him whether she liked it or not. She'd laughed and told him he had no idea what kind of trouble he was in for now, but he'd only reiterated that he didn't care. And then on top of it, having the audacity to have it put on paper. So this is 1860, it's prior to the Civil War. He went to actual legal aspects to make sure that it was on paper, that he had the government behind him before there was any laws to make sure she was protected and the kids were protected. So, I mean, that's that's mind-blowing. <laughs> I'm sitting here and I'm, I'm talking to the National Archives and they're like, we've never seen this before. Is this real? You know, they literally looked it up and it's just amazement. I found out the gentleman that helped me had wrote his thesis on it. He's like 90. <laughs> He's so cute. He's 90 and he knew about Wiley, but he didn't have all the stories with it. You know, he just knew he was one of the five families that uh, um, were the uh, five families in Wyandotte County in Quindaro Township, but he did not know the stories and he always wanted to know the stories. So when I came and brought the stories and the stuff behind it, he's like, he's like, I've been waiting 60 years for, <laughs> for this information. And I also spoke to Thomas Jefferson's uh, fifth great grandson <laughs> who wrote the book and got everyone up in, uh, you know, the DNA test and everything going. They all told me not to let it go. They said, you've got to write a book. You've got to put this out there because this, turmoil right now in the U.S. per being African-American and not being able to have ownership of our whole culture, you know, which no one here is 100% nothing. If they are, they just got off the boat last week, okay? But anybody that's here is mixed with something, you know, and I have to show homage and praise and thankfulness for all of it, the Indian, you know, the German, the Sicilian, None of that, the German or any of that, would have been possible without Wiley's sacrifice and what he did. You know, this white man loved his family, loved who he was, and took a risk of his own life and didn't speak to his family for almost his immediate family, his mother, his siblings, until he knew that his wife and his children were old enough and protected and they were okay. So he did not go back to his family till he was in his late 70s and 80s. After his wife died and the children were older and he left them land and made sure they were secure before he felt comfortable enough to go back to South Carolina. Jameson had come back and set fire to their land. Lucy cradled her daughter in her arms, stroking her chubby cheeks with gentle fingertips. She watched the steadily dimming glow from outside the window, smoke filling the steadily lightening sky. They continued to extinguish the flames, but they'd raged for most of the night, and without even looking outside, she knew that the damage done would force them into debt they could ill afford. The door opened and Wiley shuffled in in his pyjamas. His head was low, and his slumped shoulders were covered in soot. She could see he was discouraged. 
Lucy's heart ached for him, but she'd had her own night's activities. She whispered as he collapsed into the chair by the window, head back so that she could see his black and red face. The sight of where the flames had burnt him broke her. How bad is it? Bad. It's bad, Lucy. I... I don't know what we're going to do or how we'll recover. We will. I know my husband and he's a stubborn man who gets what he wants. He bought and paid for me and then persuaded me to be his wife. And now he's the father to four gorgeous boys and a beautiful daughter. A daughter? She smiled, staring down at the sleeping angel in her arms. He leapt to his feet and hurried across the room, arms outstretched to embrace his two girls in all his sooty glory. Now look at the characteristics that, that Wiley has had. The whole family, I mean, it's trickled down to all of us. I'm thinking, this is my great aunt. She's a descendant. You know, she discovered Charlie Parker. One of the first, one of Wiley's children fought in the Battle of Westport, which I had no idea that Blacks even fought <laughs> at that time. You know, that was prior to the movie Glory, prior to, you know, the Civil War. And I just sat up sometimes just crying because I knew I had to do it, but I'm not a writer. I'm more of a storyteller. And I just prayed one night and I ended up meeting Lindsay. That's Lindsay Ellis Holloway, who is writing Wiley's story. And, and you know, she probably thought I was nuts. I mean, here I am, she's in London and I'm sending her this story. And she's like, this chick is crazy. You know, I'm like, look, I basically just, because you know, I can't text. You know, I had to get this 27 year old to help me with this. So I'm basically trying to text her and I'm like, please, you have to let me know. Is this worth it? I mean, is it really worth it? And she's like, it's a story that needs to get out. And she said, I'll write it. I'll help you write it. And I'm thinking, oh my God, I was, <laughs> thanks, Wiley. I have a purpose now. Here's Lindsay. This was a white man that took a slave in a in a time where that was unheard of. And the lengths he went to to make sure that she wasn't just seen as his property as the rest of the state was seeing her. He wanted her to be recognized as the person she was along with their kids because that was who they were. They were his family, they were his life and he would do anything for them. And I think the world needs to be reminded of that sometimes that that's who we all are. We're all people at the end of the day and that's, I, I think that for me was the biggest impact. You know, they're, they're very close to my heart now. Yeah, he was, he was a giant, giant of a man, very intimidating type man. He basically didn't want them to be slaves again because the, the, the problem was because um, the state that they'd fled from saw them as property, because of the debts that he had because the plantation was failing, his entire family could have been reclaimed to pay his debts because they were seen as property. And he didn't want that because they were his family. They weren't things to him, they were his family. They were his bloodline and he loved them. So, you know, otherwise, yeah. They'd have been taken away from him and made to be slaves again. Yeah, they shouldn't be punished for my sins. And that was, that was how he saw it, yeah. For what he did wrong. She leaned her head against her husband's chest listening to his heartbeat as he held her close. Lucy often wondered what her children would do once they were gone, how they would cope, but now all she cared about was hearing that Judge Chadwick was on his way with the writ that would ensure no one could claim them to be enslaved ever again. Do you remember when you saw me at the slave market? Huh, 
How can I forget? Worst $50 I ever spent. <laughs> Best $50 you ever spent. Eh, true. Well, what of it then? I was just thinking. It's been so long since that day, and technically I'm still a slave, despite how we act and feel. But soon, I might not be. Not might, Lucy. You and the children be free officially once the judge arrives with the writ. And no one, no one is going to take you from me before that happens. Lucy smiled, hugging her husband tightly, loving him all the more for his determination as she stared out at the perimeters of their estate, guarded by men she barely knew from a town she had only just moved into. The thought of places that didn't believe in slavery had been a mere wisp of a dream to Lucy, and yet here she was living it. The judge laid the paper down on the table and talked them through the document. Though Wiley barely took it in, all that mattered was signing it. So the judge signed first, then Wiley, then Lucy. The judge then asked the children to add their signatures to the back of the document. Not necessary, he said, but he felt it would finalise that part in anyone's mind that may still have doubts about whether they were slaves or not, and all of them eagerly signed. Tears streamed down his face, as he pressed his forehead to Lucy's, clinging to the writ as though it might vanish if he dared loosen his fingers even a little. I know. Was I worth the fifty dollars now? And more. He kissed her firmly. They had won. I got into the position where people were asking me, why are you even bringing this up? There's other issues. Why, why bring up your... As five generations ago, yeah, he was white, but that was, but no, he was a different type of man. I wanted him to be known for his character and how he loved his family. It was too hard for me after George Floyd trying to explain to the kids and the grandkids and for them to love who they are and put their character first. Do you know what I'm saying? And their color secondary. Not to say and then not to be proud and George Floyd thing. It opened up a lot, but it opened up a lot of negativity, not positivity. And that's why I wanted his story to get out because that's a positivity aspect of love. And I got a phone call the other day, the governor in uh, Kansas is writing up a proclamation for Wiley. So I have to go up to the state Senate in a couple of days to have them acknowledge him for the state of Kansas to acknowledge him. And that's what I've been wanting to do. And they've finally done it. The governor's agreed to. She's given a proclamation now for white. It took me forever to get Kansas to acknowledge, you know, that aspect of the history. So um, the fact that the governor is signing a proclamation is a very big thing in Kansas. Hope Lives Here is a production of Voyage Media. The series is produced by Nat Mundell, Robert Midas, and Dan Benamore. This episode was produced by Oleg Lohid and Dan Benamore, directed by Dan Benamore. Written by Lisa King and Lindsay Ellis Holloway, based on their upcoming book, Pope, Hope Has a New Name. Keep an eye out for a link to the book on Amazon, which we will update the show notes with when it is released. In the meantime, you can follow Lindsay on Instagram or Facebook for updates as well. Those links are in the show notes. Editing and sound design by Andres Coca. Original music by Derlis Gonzalez. Starring Jonathan Regier and T. Siobhan Stewart 
as Wiley and Lucy. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or anywhere you're listening and subscribe now for future episodes.